How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schramm. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Good. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the Dr. Joe Show. And we are talking tonight with uh, Dr. Patrick O'Malley. And, you know, we, we're in the midst of the coronavirus. We're trying to keep it bright. We know that. But the reality is that people are dying from this. And we need to acknowledge that. But what's even more astounding is that so many of these people are dying without their loved ones there because yeah. the loved ones could get infected. So this is a whole nother area. And Patrick O'Malley is here. He's the author of Getting Grief Right, which is a remarkable book because it really talks and it resonated about grief and love are going together. Is that right, Dr. O'Malley? That is right, Dr. Joe. Um, the basic theme of the book is to try and provide some relief really for those who grieve and particularly those who grieve who have been self-critical about their grief because they believe or they're hearing from others that they're grieving too deeply or grieving too long or they should be over or they should have moved on. And so what, what we try to do in the book or what we do do in the book is talk about the fact that when you think about grief, it is an expression of love. Yeah. That we do not grieve what we do not love. We do not grieve what we are not attached to. And so once that moment can occur to folks who are grieving, the, the self-criticism and, and what I call grief shame drops away. And they're able to be, as we talk in the book, in the story of their, of their love. And that's what we um, have, have really tried to uh, preach, I guess, with this book. And here we are in a time of just such unusual, traumatic grief with what's going on to the point that you just made this whole circumstance with how our, our normal rituals of both taking care of the dying and being with the family after death are completely disrupted. So how, how are we meant to manage this? I mean, we've, we've never been in anything like this. I, I, I have, you know, on occasion, I'll hear of somebody, you know, pre-corona, I guess we're going to call these the pre-corona days, where somebody dies from far away, maybe, you know, out of state or in another country, and they make their preparations. I'll, I'll be honest, it happened to me. My, my sister, many years ago, passed away in London. Um, I remember the last thing I said to her was, I said, you know, if I was worrying that you were going to die, I would be there. And then there was a terrible circumstance with surgery, it went wrong. And the next thing I know, I'm on a plane going to London, but I was able to get on a plane and did the funeral. That's not in people's ability now. What, what are you seeing there? Well, when we look at this historically, I mean, communities have gathered since the beginning of time to have rituals and to support those who grieve and to be as I like to describe it, a companion to those who grieve. 
And um, what we have now is what I call it is a loss within the loss and losses within the loss. The losses of our loved one are, are layered with the loss of not being able to have access to them oftentimes with this particular disease when they are dying. And then again, after the death to not have the community support and surround and, and to whatever religious or non-religious rituals that folks participate in, in order to honor those who have died and in order to honor the family. And so I also think when we talk about grief loss, we also talk about trauma loss, that trauma and grief happen coincide together. And I think that this is this, this is a trauma loss. And the stories I've read and a couple of the folks I've talked to um, are very traumatized by the fact that they were not with their loved one as they were dying and when they died. And I think the other level of folks who are experiencing just tremendous trauma are the healthcare workers who now are basically um, the, the people in the room. They're holding the hand right. of the patient so that to, to the degree possible, no one has to die alone. Right. But I've seen interviews and I'm sure you have too of the deep trauma that these folks are experiencing by, by being the surrogate family at the most intimate and sacred of times. And so I have deep compassion for those folks who are there, who are doing the job that the family can't do because of these circumstances. And they're stepping up and they're doing it. I mean, it is, it is powerful. Good sneeze there, Mark. I want people just to recognize that Mark did exactly the sneeze you're meant to do. But to get back to this, but what about, what about the anger? Is, is there anger as well associated with this, with, with, not being able to to get there oh yeah but i mean you gotta say like let me in there he's got to be like you're going fully limbic aren't you yeah yeah it's a pretty primitive response that's a great way to put it because you know it's our it's in our dna to be there and to protect and to hold and to, and to usher our loved one in that transition and so you know what another way i think about this is that there's a collision of sorts between our emotional health and our physical survival Mm. we're having to subjugate our emotional health in order to have our physical survival. And I can't think again of a time where that's happened, obviously as universally as it's happening in the way that it's happened. But if we don't have our physical survival, there's no emotional health obviously to be had, but our every instinct in us and certainly push us into an anger and it's sometimes a rage and just an absolute disorienting confusion about the deep, deep instinct to be with our loved one, to care for our loved one, again, to help them transition in, in their death and to not be able to do so. Now, executive brain comes in and tries to reason that. And, you know, hopefully folks are getting talked to in a way that absolutely validates their anger, their confusion, their disorientation. And I suspect that that's a lot of what the healthcare workers are doing as well is to try and meet these families where they live. As our funeral directors, you know, that's a whole nother group on the front lines who are having to totally redo how they do things yeah, and often have to be the bearer of this news that they can't provide what the family would wish for at the time that they need it. Now, I, I think this is also a call to the community to not forget about folks who have gone through this. You know, and part of our book, you know, half of our book is talking to the griever and half of it's talking to the people who love the griever, who care for them. And it's so crucial that we don't forget to stay in touch the best way we can 
you know, it could be a month, two months, three months before there's any service. That's a long time to linger and, and sit with your sadness without community around you. So as soon as it is possible, I strongly encourage your listeners to, if they're part of that community, to do what they would normally do to show up, to bring food, to tell stories, to be a part of, to do acts of service. It's going to get delayed and it's going to sort of miss the momentum, if you will. But nonetheless, we've got to tend to these families best we can who are left with these just emptiness of not being able to be with their loved one, if that was the case, as well as uh, have community around them. Now, there's another group of folks whose loved one is going to die from something other than the coronavirus. And oftentimes, and certainly the folks I see who have loved ones in, in uh, facilities and in, in skilled nursing and in, uh, elder assisted communities, the same sort of thing. If anybody's there, it's maybe one person at the time of death. And they too are standing, you know, with their six feet apart at their graveside service or not having a service. So it is certainly the folks who are dying specifically from the coronavirus, but we got to also remember that there are other folks dying from other causes. And it may not be quite as intense depending on the circumstance in terms of the exclusion of the dying process, but it's still there for those folks as well. I know that I've, I've lost both my parents. Mark, you, you had a loss earlier on in your life, right? I did. I did. My father died when I was 20. It is, um, it is something real, but what you're painting Dr. O'Malley for me right now, I mean, it is, it's mind numbing knowing that it's happening and it hasn't hit me personally yet. Although it's hitting a lot of my team members personally, it's, it's, really heart-wrenching to think and I saw a clip of people doing a drive up service recently where they had it telecasted out and people it was like a drive-in movie theater and I think that's great because that it gives that feeling to the griever right the community loving the griever but it's just so hard to get my head around because it, it, it's almost it it's it's like a war scenario but none of us chose to fight in this war but yet we're you know, treating our dead very similarly. It's almost, you know, it's it's stockpiling a little and, bit. It almost makes me wonder, will we have some sort of Memorial Day set aside specifically for this? Because all these funerals, that can't happen. It's almost right. like a pinched hose. So once this quarantine goes, is history, will we commemorate it with a certain day or will it just be? That's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think you're right. You, and, you know, you look at the stories from the funeral directors and they, they're going to have, you know, depending on what the family wants, or what the family needs. But if this extends out another 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you're exactly right. It's really jammed up. And uh, again, how does each family get what they need? I think there are some creative things happening, like the video uh, option or the drive by or the, you know, lots of different creative ways of doing it. Nothing quite uh, matches being held being touched, right? Uh, you know, words of, 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 of uh, condolence uh, in your ear, you know, and again, the storytelling of what happens. So I think, um, it, I guess my word again to the community is don't forget about folks. Uh, even though it's going to be delayed, they need you and they need to hear from you and what means they can. For those who are going through this, again, I say it's a loss within a loss, and that is to be grieved. 
you're grieving the loss of your loved one and you're grieving the loss of the, of the community and of being there. It, that will be a significant part of your loss story is that okay. one died and you were not, you couldn't be there if that was the case and you couldn't have your community around you. That's to be grieved as well. Yeah. What about, what about having a, a, a software platform where everybody can put a video, you know, uh, into it to, to deliver to the people like it were a virtual wake, if you will. My friend, his daughter's turning 10 tomorrow. Uh, one of our guests, actually, Dr. Joe, Jeff's daughter, and he said to Link, wish Maddie, get your family to wish Maddie a happy birthday so that they can, you know, collate it all together in one big happy birthday for her in such a positive way. I wonder if there's something that could be done like that. I mean, I know people are going to, should I call them? Should I not call them? I mean, what do I, what do I, what do I do? You know? Well, what yeah. about that part to call them or not call them? What about that, Dr. O'Malley? <laughs> Well, I, I tend to suggest err on the side of doing more than less mm. and then take your signal from the person who's there. Uh, but I think your idea, Mark, is very important. I mean, we're virtually doing so many other things. Um, and it really, it's a form of storytelling. If you submit a story or you submit a video. Um, and, you know, I guess this is a little questionable because of, of contamination issues, but a good old fashioned letter. Uh, you know, and if folks will manage that however they need to. I know some folks aren't opening their mail for days, I understood, but a good old fashioned letter, good old fashioned note of, but acknowledge the death and acknowledge the loss of not being able to be present if that was the case. And acknowledge the loss of not having the community there at the time it happened. Uh, again, if you look at what the bereaved asked for and need, it is in that word acknowledgement. It is just for the loss to be acknowledged. No cliches, no platitudes, no trying to urge or spin it in, in a different direction. It's about presence. It's about listening with a compassionate ear. And it is about being with the person shoulder to shoulder. Not your job to lead them, not your job to make them feel better. It's your job to be present and to listen. And that's where we fall apart as a community, I think, is we don't, uh, we, we tend to think we're there to help. We tend to think we're there to fix something. And really what we're there to do is to be present and listen. Right. And if you listen well, you'll get your cues about what the person needs. Yeah. So again, it's, it's, I think it's very reasonable. It doesn't have to be long if you write a note, but right to the point of, I'm so sorry about your dad, your mom, your sister, your brother, and I'm so sorry that you didn't get to be with them. That must be so difficult as well, and that you couldn't have your community. Acknowledge the whole story. Your husband, your wife, your, you know, what I have um, a, a close person in our family who's, who somebody just passed away, not, not because of Corona, and it was sudden. And they know that they can't have a funeral. They know they can't have the same thing. So what she is organizing is just what you're saying, Mark. It's, it's basically a Zoom platform. Yeah. But it's going to include people from all over the world. Love it. So that, that is, there is something that, you know, that we have access to, this technology. And you know, what, my, my phrase of the week is adaptation is innovation. And that's, that's what we can do with this as well. There's no question, it's horrible 
to, to not be there in person, to give the person a hug, to bear witness. But what they can do is these folks are going to be all in a room together, granted the same platform that we're using, Mm -hmm. but they're going to be posting pictures and videos. And some of them will be saying things. And there could be hundreds of them from across the world. Who may have not otherwise been able to go. Exactly. Who would not, and who may have felt guilty that they couldn't go. Right. You know? Yeah, that's, that's so important. You know, as many folks are saying, you know, we're forced into some circumstances now that are not our choice, yet there may end up coming out of this some new behavior, some new ways of thinking, some new ways of doing things. So let's say the restrictions are lifted, yet, uh, and so now we can be in, in true contact with the grieving person, but that doesn't exclude doing the same very thing you just described in addition to that. Right. You know, some of these innovations may actually take root and become uh, new ways of reaching out to those who mourn. Yeah, adaptation is innovation. You know, the other part that, that you're talking about, Rally, is that this isn't um, something that you necessarily do all at once. There is something to be aiming to call somebody later. Do you want to just comment on that for a moment? Yeah, I, you know, one of the other things you will hear, at least I hear in my work of, of those who grieve, is it was really intense for about a month, and then everybody disappeared. And so I think it's so important to follow through. Now, in this circumstance, again, uh, the follow through may be because there hadn't been a way to get contact. But I think, in, you know, call on the month anniversary, call on the birthday, call. I suggest that in a no matter what circumstance. Yeah. Uh, you know, my phrase is, you know, it gets real quiet after the last casserole dish is picked up. Hmm. And, uh, and again, that's part of our cultural thing of assuming folks don't want to hear from us or they've, um, you know, they've had enough time or everybody's got to get back in business. And if folks don't want to hear from you and you listen closely, you'll pick that up. But again, it's the better mistake to make. So I think in this circumstance, as in others, but even more so, yes, it's important to have contact over time not just a blast of contact as it happens. And let's say today the death occurs and the service isn't for 90 days. The clock starts again then, mm-hmm. you know, they're really, because they're going to mourn the death and then they're going to re-mourn that in a public sort of way. Yeah. There's a service. So you really have kind of two starting points. So, you know, we're just about out of time. and I really want to thank you for being here. You know, we talk about, the I am approach, you know, that, that we're always doing the best we can, influenced by four domains, your home, the social domain, the biological domain, and the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me. And because these domains interconnect, the first rule of the I am, small changes have big effects. What small change can you recommend to our listeners uh, to help them with this grief? Well, the small change, I would say, and kind of, you know, sometimes small change are really big ideas, but they seem small in the face of it. And that is to acknowledge your own loss, to know the loss of your loved one, but again, also the loss of the circumstances and, and to grieve that as part of the grief and not to bury that or not to be self-critical about it. And the other thing I'd say, which I think is is a small increment of change, is to be careful about how you talk to yourself as you grieve. You know, it is such a time to be self-compassionate, not self-critical. 
Mm. Watch for that self-critical language, which typically will say, I'm grieving too long, I'm grieving too intensely, somebody else has got it worse, my situation in that matter, all these kind of things that invalidate. So self-acknowledgement, self-compassion, self-validation. So really the change we're talking about is really a lot to do with the internal talk that those who grieve have. And on the community side of it, if you are able to again exude and express compassion and you know the small change there i think which would have a big impact is don't try to fix it it's not your role to fix it your role is to be present your role is to be available your role is to listen and i think this gets into the second rule of the i am that everybody has an i am and because we're part of someone's home or social domain and the way we see them has an effect on their biological domain you control no one, you influence everyone. So what kind of influence are you hoping to be on all these folks? Well, I'm, I'm hoping to be, uh, uh, you know, what I do in my practice is offer a safe place, a place of comfort. Now, honestly, right now, all my sessions are online or video, mm-hmm. and I can feel such a different energy. We get it done. But it's a bit like what we're talking about. It's a great alternative. I was ready to set up to do it when this happened. But that I can feel I'm tireder at the end of the day because I think I'm having to work harder to connect through the screen, if that makes sense. And yeah. so, uh, you know, but part of my, my, my long mission here is to, again, kind of take us back to where we started. And that is to preach the, the story that grief is about love. And when we can remember that grief is about love, it opens up a whole nother way of being in our sorrow. Yeah. How do people get a copy of your incredible book? Uh, Amazon, I'd love to drop it at your door. Uh, all the other major booksellers sell it. So it's still there. It's still able to be, uh, to be uh, purchased in that way. Uh, I do talk a bit in the book and, and, you know, it's almost a whole nother segment about the impact of trauma and what that does to our biological system. And trying to understand that goes a long way towards not being self-critical. That we're going to have a lot of folks who are going through this, again, are experiencing trauma. And they're going to have intrusive images. They're going to have avoidance. They're going to have flashbacks. They're going to have some things. And some of it's imagined because they weren't in the room. But to understand that your brain is working, it's miserable but normal. And that's, that's what people get scared about is that they're going crazy. Uh, but the brain is amazing, to, you know, organ as we know. And so um, I would also encourage folks to understand uh, that they're having both loss and for many, they're having trauma, acute trauma. And that means they're likely to have some post-trauma. Mm. And give us the full title of the book. <clears throat> uh, Getting Grief Right, Finding Your Story of Love and the Sorrow of Loss. Finding your story of love in the sorrow of loss. It's so important because right now, in the midst of all this loss, we must not forget that part about love. It connects us all. We are all in this together. It has made us recognize that this is the great equalizer. But we share in everyone's grief. We do. We share together. But out of this will come some remarkable insight, awareness, and growth. And that's an I am. That's what we're working with. Dr. Malik, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Really appreciate it. Tom, Mark. Thank you, Dr. O'Malley. Another great show. Thank you very much. 
You're welcome. I'm so pleased and glad that you all did this show. I think it's just such an important piece that needs attention, and I applaud you for, for putting this together. Couldn't do it without you. Thanks. Okay. Good night, everybody. Go, 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 go